Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Faith to Go podcast, your one-stop shop for everything you need to have faith discussions throughout your week with your friends and with your family. My name is David Tremaine, and I am the digital resource curator for Faith to Go. And I'm Charlotte Pressler, and I'm the youth missioner for the Episcopal Diocese of San Diego. I'm Elizabeth Fitzsimons. I have the honor of serving as Chief Executive Officer at Episcopal Community Services. Welcome, everybody, to this uh, week's Faith to Go podcast uh, for our gospel discussion and reflection leading up to this Sunday's gospel, November 13th, for Proper 28 in Year C. We're so excited to have Elizabeth Fitzsimons here. Thanks for being here, Elizabeth. Whenever we have a guest, we always want to check in about the ministry context. We heard your title and a little bit about what you do, but would you tell us a little bit more about uh, what you do with ECS? Well, ECS, we envision a society uh, that is abundant and equitable where everyone has unlimited potential. Um, At ECS, we lead with love, we welcome and we serve all. We meet our clients where they are and we walk with them on their journey to realizing that potential, whether they're preschoolers getting ready for kindergarten or children needing help with their mental health or individuals struggling with addiction or homelessness. We have a wide variety of programs that are addressing our communities and really our country's most critical challenges, mental health, homelessness, addiction, and the education gap. You know, and all these things were were present before the pandemic, but the last few years have made things even worse uh, for our community and for our region. Um, I'm, I'm so grateful for the strong partnership we have with the diocese and the individual parishes within the diocese. I'm looking forward to connecting with you all at the Good News Festival. We have shared values and shared goals, and I believe that for our parishes, supporting ECS, working with ECS, partnering with ECS is really an actionable way to demonstrate your faith and be a force for change in the region. Your work in this world is so important. If people wanted to learn more about what you do at ECS, how could they find out? I invite everyone to to check ECS out on our website, ecscalifornia.org and learn about our programs and see what resonates with you and how we can partner and work together for our community. And the other thing we always love to talk about uh, and check in with our guests on is where they saw God this past week. So um, would you share with us any time you felt or saw uh, God in your work, maybe in your context, just in your life generally uh, in this last couple weeks? <laughs> well, I like this question because it's something that I think about a lot. And I have two experiences that I'd like to share with you. I frequently ask God to help me see and feel his presence to open my eyes and my heart to his presence and also how I can be of service. And I feel lucky that in my work, I often feel and see God's presence. ECS has uh, 22 locations across the South Bay, San Diego and El Cajon. And right now I'm visiting one or two of our sites a week. And because we have 17 Head Start sites, many of my recent visits have been with the teachers and staff and all the children in our Head Start program. And I do these visits on Thursday mornings, and then I head to Rotary for lunch, where I get to hear about all the good things happening in our community. So Thursdays are big God days for me. (laughs) They're currently my favorite day of the week when I'm filling up my tank. Something that has come up during my visits at Head Start is that we are seeing more developmental delays, more behavioral issues, and more children who are nonverbal. 
than we ever did before the pandemic. And it's because of the pandemic, that isolation, the stress, all of the trauma over the last uh, few years, that is how it is, uh, what, what, that's how it is coming out in, in our youngest children. And um, our teachers are incredibly talented at creating an inclusive and safe and empowering environment for our children to really thrive. And it's no different now. Where I'm feeling God's presence is in these classrooms um, as the teachers really draw out the children and help them to express themselves. And it's amazing really to see how the children are supporting each other. And that's the part that just gives me chills because they rally around um, a child who needs help. They become their advocates, their interpreters, and their gentle companions for these children who are trying to adjust, they're trying to catch up to their peers, and it's incredible. It's just a, an amazing, beautiful thing to behold, the, the grace and compassion that is coming from these children for their peers. And uh, another moment uh, that really um, has stayed with me was a Monday when I attended a rehearsal for Voices of Our City Choir, which we're going to hear at the Good News Festival. Uh, Voices is a choir for individuals who are experiencing homelessness, and they practice at St. Paul's Cathedral, which is my spiritual home. And I was there to volunteer to serve lunch as a member of Rotary. And afterwards, we took the leftovers over to our ECS safe haven, which is our homeless transitional housing facility. So the, connect the connections were just amazing to me that day. And being with the choir, uh, their energy and their spirit was incredible. And I felt inspired and connected and welcomed. And it's just, it was one of those moments where you feel hopeful and like anything is possible. And I believe we just, we need those moments, the, the moments of the possible. I love that. One of my favorite things that I've ever gotten to do was I took some of the students at Christchurch Day School down to visit the Head Start location at St. John's in Chula Vista. The work that you all are doing is so important and it's really wonderful the ways that our diocese gets to connect to it. Awesome. And thank you so much, Elizabeth, for sharing all of that. And we'd always love to hear from all of you. You can get in contact with us in a lot of different ways and share your uh, questions or comments or stories from your week of faith discussion or reflection. Maybe share a little bit about your context or a God sighting where you saw or felt God or maybe where you couldn't uh, see or feel God, where it was hard to feel God's presence in your life. You can find all those ways of getting in contact with us listed in the pod podcast description for this episode. And there's links, there's uh, ways to text us or leave a voicemail, email, Instagram, or through the website where you can find all of those faith to go resources every week. And so now we're going to transition to our gospel discussion again for this upcoming Sunday's gospel, November 13th from Proper 28 in Year C. Charlotte is going to read it, and then I'll give a little bit of context, and then we'll each have a point. So, the gospel for this upcoming Sunday is Luke 21, 5 through 19. When some were speaking about the temple, how it was adorned with beautiful stones and gifts dedicated to God, Jesus said, As for these things that you see, the days will come when not one stone will be left upon another. All will be thrown down. They asked him, Teacher, when will this be? And what will be the sign that this is about to take place? And he said, 
Beware that you are not led astray. For many will come in my name and say, I am he, and the time is near. Do not go after them. When you hear of wars and insurrections, do not be terrified, for these things must take place first, but the end will not follow immediately. Then he said to them, Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes and in various places famines and plagues, and there will be dreadful portents and great signs from heaven. But before all this occurs, they will arrest you and persecute you. They will hand you over to synagogues and prisons, and you will be brought before kings and governors because of my name. This will give you an opportunity to testify. So make up your minds not to prepare your defense in advance, for I will give you words and a wisdom that none of your opponents will be able to withstand or contradict. You will be betrayed even by parents and brothers, by relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death. You will be hated by all because of my name, but not a hair of your head will perish. By your endurance you will gain your souls. Thank you, Charlotte. Uh, I love the term dreadful portents. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be my memoir title. Excellent. Dreadful portents. You know, not much context to give based on what we what we know about where we are, you know, from the last few months of working through Luke's gospel. We are again now in Jerusalem, just like we were last week. And last week we were in uh, chapter 20, just the chapter right before this, listening to Jesus go back and forth with a lot of religious leaders, you know, uh, scribes and priests and Pharisees and Sadducees, and they're all there. This is just the epicenter of Jewish life, Jerusalem, mm-hmm. you know. So, like, and now he's getting to the epicenter of the epicenter, which is the temple. And uh, and it's important just to think, just to know that the thing that happens right before this is the story of what we might call the widow's mite in uh, the NRSV would be the widow's offering. But it's Jesus and the disciples standing at the temple, you know, finally having got there. Well, I guess actually they've been there this whole time talking to all these people and watching this, uh, you know, this poor widow put in these two small copper coins while all the other people, these rich people put in all these, you know, abundant offerings for the temple. So that's what they've just witnessed. And then this interaction is happening, you know, so that's the important context for what prompts this conversation. Uh, So that's where we are. We're uh, right in the beginning of chapter 21, and there's a few more things to happen before the Last Supper here. A lot of uh, some more talking and teaching um, and some parables and things. So that's where we are in the gospel. And Elizabeth, you have the first point. Well, there's a lot that you can take and run with in this passage, right? To me, this passage is about faith and hope despite the world crashing down around you. Uh, that, that crisis and upheaval are part of the human existence. It's like taking comfort in the stories of our elders who lived through World War II and the Cuban Missile Crisis and the Cold War and knowing that change and conflict and crisis are always going to happen. They're always going to be present in our world. Uh, And especially after the last few years, the the pandemic and our national reckoning with our nation's horrific history of slavery and uh, the genocide of Native peoples, the pandemic and the attention on um, systemic racism really shifted things in our country, how we work, how we interact with each other, and it gave us an opportunity to create something new. 
And we are creating that something new now, I think. And so what I take from this passage is that we must keep the faith, keep our hope and keep doing the work that is necessary. So even though there's a lot of doom and gloom in the passage, I actually think it's pretty heartening and comforting because the constant thing is our faith and staying the course uh, with our purpose. All right. Yes. And I think that uh, is goes well with my point, uh, kind of transitions into mine, because I'm thinking about, um, yeah, I'm thinking about the way that Jesus, like in talking about these terrible, terrible things that are happening is like trying to embody like this deeper kind of earthier sense of hope and faith. Like you're saying, when these terrible things are happening, we know that something new is coming into the world, you know? There's so many great, like, birth metaphors, you know, that Jesus has. And even in, in different parts of the gospel and talking about this kind of, like, this stuff that will happen, he even calls them birth pangs, you know, that, like, these terrible, painful things, if we can breathe through them, you know, are leading to something new, even though they're horrible. <laughs> and it doesn't make them any less horrible. But it, it's a sign, hopefully, that things are getting churned up and, like, sis- broken systems are being taken down and new things are arising. And that's what I want to focus on here is like that Jesus is using the example the example of this like physical structure like we said this physical kind of epicenter of this of his religious tradition of his community. He's like witnessing in all these ways throughout his whole ministry all these ways that that system is not working for people. All those times that he was at a synagogue and healing somebody on the Sabbath to kind of like poke and prod at the system being like all these things we've taken for granted that we think have to be one way. When, they're, when they've stopped serving people and just serve, you know, themselves, then we need to change them. And so he goes, he's finally gotten to the, you know, close to the end of his ministry here, and he's using this greatest example of this biggest, most, you know, center, central uh, thing of the temple to drive that point home and be like, even this, even this thing, if it's not serving people, that thing needs to be changed too. And so... It's important to to think about the widow's offering as ha- happening just before this because what Jesus is witnessing with the disciples is a way that the institution is not doing the things it needs to do. So why is this poor widow poor in the first place? Mm. And why is she giving her last two coins to an institution that's not going to take care of her? That's the rub for Jesus. And so he's witnessing the way that this thing that he loves, and that's, I think, important to to note is that like Jesus is saying and doing all these things because he loves his community. He loves the Jewish tradition. He's not there to be some iconoclast tearing things down so that they just don't exist anymore. He wants to reform. He wants to make it so that it works for people again, because he knows that that's at the core of the whole thing is that we are made in God's image. And so we are here to be with one another and recognize our interdependence and love for one another. And so his love for the institution is what drives him and motivates him to, like, talk about tearing it down, (laughs) essentially, you know, which seems counterintuitive, but, like, I think we can recognize the way that this happens so often is that these institutions are built up, and they come to a point where they're only serving themselves and their own wellness and their own well-being and their own existence and not the wellness and thriving and well-being of people that they maybe originally were meant to serve and to help. I think Jesus is like, when you see... And I think it's important that we see this poor widow 
juxtaposed with this opulent temple. Because it's not just that the temple is there and that there's these big stones, but there are these beautiful stones and all these gifts dedicated to God. It's, it's like, it's an example to Jesus of how adorning the institution and putting money and resources and time and energy into that, into making it look as nice as it can, has taken precedence over people's wellness and thriving. And so he's saying, we need to call into question uh, all of these institutions that have become so self-serving. We need to call them, even if we believe that they need to stand the test of time and be eternal and live forever. He's like, that's not the thing that's eternal. And so it's not just, uh, it's not just for the sake of tearing things down, but it is for the sake of people and wondering what needs to go away you know, or what needs to be changed, or it's torn down so that the resources can be given to people that need them. I see that as Jesus's point here, and especially juxtaposed with the widow. And then just to, to think about this, you know, knowing that in doing that, you're going to get a lot of pushback, obviously, from the people who run the institution and who love it. But he's like, when you've seen this, when you start to push for this, when you start to fight for justice with love in this way, then you're going to find yourself. And hopefully, by finding yourself, you're, hope, you're helping the institution find itself again, too. Yeah. Well, and David, as you were talking, I was thinking about it more on a personal level. Like, so often we have interacted with this whenever we have tried to affect change in our own environment. So we have identified that systems that have been in place, maybe programs that have always been running, um, that served at one time, but there is this culture that is wrapped around the thing that is like, well, this is how we did it. So therefore, this is how we always must do it. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter if it's actually serving anybody anymore, because if we change it to serve the people who are here now, then we have harmed the thing, Mm -hmm. the the sacred thing that has been created in this space. Mm -hmm. And that it does become our role to name the fact that it's not about the thing. It's always been about the people. Mm. And I love that in your point that then it calls us not just in these small ways that we live into this every day. And that work is important, that everyday work is important. But living into these more, these larger ways in which we are called to affect change so that it really does serve all of the people. Because Jesus is always calling us to serve the people. Yeah, right. So I think that takes us to my point, which falls here at the end of the gospel, which talks about the ways in which we are called to speak truth into situations. And Jesus does not paint a rosy picture as to what is going to happen to those people that speak truth, because he says, but before all this occurs, they will arrest you and persecute you. They will hand you over to synagogues and prisons, and you will be brought before kings and governors because of my name. And then he says, this will give you the opportunity to testify. And I love that he says that before we tell our stories, that all of these hard things are going to happen. Because really, when I think about it, I tend to think that in telling my story or speaking my truth, that that is when the hard things are going to happen after But Jesus is like, no, that's just the beginning work. That the first things that you say are going to cause these other things to happen. And then you testify. 
And I think I'm looking at this through a different lens than I would have even last week, because all three of us that that are part of the Faith to Go family now um, were up at Camp Stevens for their 70th anniversary this last weekend. And part of that enabled us to hear um, the magnificent and wonderful Valerie Kaur speak. And she approaches the world with wonder and love. These are the two things that she embodies. And if you've read her book, See No Stranger, then you know that that is part of who she is. And if you listen to her read the audiobook, 10 out of 10, highly recommend, by the way, um, you also hear that in her voice. And yet to experience her live and in person, you know that that is just the real and true way that she walks in this world, um, that nothing about that is pretense, nothing about that was created for the reader. It is truly integral to who she is as a person. And looking at each other through a lens of wondering about the other person creates an opportunity to tell your truth in love. It's not that you are not supposed to say the hard thing. It is not that you are supposed to hold back um, because you know that what you are going to say is going to be poorly received, or is going to be challenging, but that you are wondering about the other person even as you are speaking your truth. I hear that in this scripture, like the scripture almost feeds into it for me because Jesus says in this that you are called to testify and that you are called that you are doing all of this work in Jesus's name, which means that we have to speak to the ways in which systems are not serving people, to the ways that we as people are not connecting to each other, to name the injustices and to constantly strive to do better. And yet we know that in all of the scripture, that all of the times that Jesus speaks to, to us, that we are called to do those things in love. Sometimes we forget because we get angry about injustice and we want to do this work from a loud place. That's not that there isn't righteous anger. I, I'm certainly not saying that. But I think that there is an opportunity to consider how when we testify how are we living into God's love with our words when we are sharing them with other people? And that when we tell our story, that that may be the thing, especially when we tell our story in relationship to Christ, that causes the pushback and the anger and the affront. But then we're not done when those things have happened. That piece is only the beginning and so that then when we are called to testify, how can we create wonder about the people that we are speaking to? And how can we tell that truth in love? Yeah, and like inviting wonder in that situation. Bringing wonder maybe invite reciprocal wonder, mm-hmm. you know, and so that so that something new can, can emerge. So nice. Um, all right, so those are our three points uh, for this week. Uh, Elizabeth's was the first point, and it was about you know Jesus's invitation to to hope and faith even in the midst uh, of these you know terrible, challenging times in our life and the in the life of the world and the lives of our communities. Uh, mine was next, and it was about you know questioning institutions and large structures and systems and all the things that we we hold to be untouchable that maybe not be working anymore for people and. And when we see places putting their energy and time and resources into things that aren't serving people, starting to question those things. 
uh, Charlotte's was after that, and it was an invitation to wonder, Jesus's invitation to wonder, to wonder about ourselves, to wonder about the people that we find in opposition to us at any given time, and that when we are asked, you know, to witness and to testify to what we believe is true, to to be open and vulnerable in that in that moment, you know, and bring that sense of wonder to ourselves and to the people in front of us. So having heard those three points, uh, we'd love to hear what you would have to say on the podcast this week. We'd love mm-hmm. to hear any of your questions or comments from your uh, week of faith discussion and reflection. You can find all those ways of getting in contact with us in the description for this podcast episode. Make sure you head to thegoodnewsfestival.com to check out the event schedule, and you can join us for the live recording of Faith to Go. It's going to be on December 10th. Make sure you check out when and where it's going to be. You can also sign up for the Good News Festival on the website and look at all those other workshops and events that you are welcome to attend for free. Elizabeth, I noticed that you are being featured on one of the panels at the festival. That's exciting. Can you tell us what it's about? One of the most talked about issues in our region is the homelessness crisis. And we're going to be talking about this issue and how faith communities can get involved in creating solutions around homelessness. We'll be meeting at one o'clock on Saturday, and I'm so honored to be joining uh, Denora Reina Gutierrez, uh, Stephen Whitburn, and Beth Johnson uh, for this discussion led by Jessica Ripper. I hope you'll join us. It's at one o'clock on Saturday. Thanks to Elizabeth Fitzsimons for being here. Make sure you go check out all the amazing things that ECS is doing. You can visit their website, ecscalifornia.org. You can uh, figure out ways to support them and learn about more of what they do. And we'll be back next week to talk about the last Sunday in Ordinary Time, Proper 29, Christ the King Sunday. And until then, we say goodbye. Goodbye, Goodbye, everybody. everybody.